There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Susanna Constantine, and this is my wardrobe malfunction, the podcast about, oh, for crying out loud, it's our 60th episode. Do I really need to tell you? In fact, now we've reached this milestone, I'm going to go off piece and tell you what I've been up to recently. Last weekend, I went to the Isle of Wight Festival, which was amazing. And I'm an absolute massive fan of Sam Fender, who I managed to wrestle to the ground. He's a huge talent, but it was a great weekend. Good to get away. Good to hear live music at last. But now, on to this week's special guest. I'll get Sam later. She's a writer, performer and vlogger extraordinaire, Tova Lee. So, let's grab the handles, open my wardrobe doors, and find out what's inside. Today, I am with someone um, who, I think this interview could be a little X-rated. I think we've got very much the same kind of sense of humour, and so it might get a bit filthy. But anyway, it's actress, comedian, uber-blogger, and vlogger, and author... Tova Lee. Tova, how are you? I'm really good. And I'm so excited to be on your podcast, Susanna. And I'm, I'm a massive fan. So I'm girl fanning right now. Oh, darling. Well, but where are you? Are you in, in the States or are you no. in the UK? <laughs> I'm in the UK. I'm literally okay. Northwest London. <laughs> so where does the American accent come from? Because you're, uh, what are you, half Israeli uh, yeah, half Israeli and half Irish. So how come the American accent? Just a lot of television uh, grow, growing up. That's my only answer, to be honest. I used to lie and say that I went to an American school because it sounded more interesting. Uh, but the truth is I just grow, grew up watching sitcoms. And Israel is very Americanized. Uh, back in the 80s, you didn't really get a lot of British television. It was mainly American sitcoms. Um, and I just picked up the accent. I love, by the way, how you say Tova. Um, you, you've got the accent down, you know, most people well, call I it to Tova. <laughs> tova, like tofu. But I, I thought, well, I spent a lot of time in Israel. Um, mm -hmm. And I've got to say, Pakistan and Israel are my two favorite countries in the world. Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. Whereabouts did you stay in Israel and when? Um, all over. It was now probably 10 years ago. And uh, Trini and I made shows out there for, I think it was Channel 2. And we did it. We went back for three years, three or four years. We did three or four seasons. And we'd stayed there for like about six weeks. I got to know it really well. I made so many amazing friends out there. And I fucking love that country. And I fucking love the Israelis. You guys are wow. just the best people in the world. I mean, it's kind of like... 
you know, you have to either love or hate, you know, there's no in between. Uh, it's very, very in your face. So if you don't like that, then you're not going to like it. But Israel is great for many reasons. Obviously, the food, which is one of the main things I miss about uh, the country, amazing food, the beach, the sun. Uh, but it can get a bit intense, you know, like driving yeah. in Israel. Mm, wouldn't recommend it to anyone. <laughs> mm. But you're right. I mean, the Israelis are very in your face, which is kind of what you based your whole kind of comedic shtick on which I love but it's I, I think the women weirdly are more in your face than the men are <laughs> you think I don't know I mean I've got uh lots of friends still in Israel and they're all amazing women very vocal and loud uh, which I love you know I think the the weather in Israel has such a big impact on that kind of intense personality because when you're hot and sweaty Uh, you're constantly in a rush and you you just get, I think, annoyed faster. Uh, and you can see it even here in the UK. You get one or two days of sunshine. Everybody gets a bit aggressive. <laughs> the <United laughs> so, yeah, me right? included. So yeah. true. But going back to your childhood, I read that you used to watch your mother weigh herself constantly. And that must have had a big impact on the way you saw your own body. Yeah. Um, I talk about it a lot, uh, um, you know, on my channels and obviously in my first book, uh, uh, book mm. Fucked at 40, uh, which, by the way, I'm very happy that I'm allowed to say on your show, because usually I have to make up some weird titles, you know, effed at 40, fudged at 40 and all those type of things. Um, and, you know, body image uh, is like a big part of what I do and what I talk about. Um, and in the book, I, 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 I wrote that about my mom. Uh, just growing up and seeing her own struggle with her, you know, with her acceptance of her body and weight she put on after she became a mother. And, you know, the house was constantly in diet mode. So there was constantly diet products around. There was constantly, uh, you know, a conversation about it. And it, it was something that she was talking about with her friends, with us. So we were very aware. And what's weird is that at that point, it really felt like very much like the norm, Like, this is how it should be. You know, we, we should be on a diet <laughs> all the time and not, you know, and not like our bodies and have all these um, thoughts about our weight. Um, and it's only really in recent years that I've started uh, breaking those type of thought processes down and realizing what impact they had. Uh, I tell a story in the book about the first time I ever thought about my body, uh, and that was at the age of 10. And my eldest is 10 now, so it's like it's such a it's such a significant age. Like I have that vivid memory. I was 10, and I overheard an older cousin say something along the lines uh, of, you know, Tova, she's probably going to struggle with her weight uh, for her entire life, just like her mom does. Yeah. Oh my God. I know. And it, and I, I remember thinking, what, what, what does that mean? Like, what, what is he saying? Like, I couldn't really understand it. Honestly, looking back, I was just an average 10 year old. I was very active. I loved riding my bike. I did ballet. I, I was not overweight or I was, there was nothing, you know, but that sentence just stayed and triggered something. And when I told people the story, um, I got so many women writing in and telling me similar stories, like a moment that they had in their lives, you know, that 
something similar happened. It's so true because when, I mean, Trini and I, when we were working kind of around the world, it would be, it would be exactly that. You'd have these women who arrived where, and their self-esteem was completely crushed, had been all their lives. And more often than not, it had boiled down to one word that their grandmother had said or one sentence that someone had made when they were, you know, during those formative years. And it had affected them for the rest of their lives. So I totally get that. Yeah, and it's, it's uh, often a mother or a grandmother and it's it often comes also from a you know from a good like they mean well or maybe it represents a in you know a, an issue that the the person saying it actually has with their own body because I tell another story which uh, by the way my mom I love my mom like you know okay uh, we, footnote Tova loves her mom yeah no but we've had all these conversations you know it's different when you're older and you see your parent as a person not just as a parent and you have those years where you're cross and you go why did you say this to me or why did you do that to me and because you're still in that role of being the kid uh but you know I'm 45 now so like we've had these conversations now um But I remember she she t she said something about my boobs, and I was like a teenager, and oh god, I hated my boobs for years, or my eyebrows, you know. And it's like a little sentence; you just don't say anything, just do not say anything. So true, so true. And I, I mean, you is is your ten year old? Is she is she a daughter? Yes. 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 Okay. Yeah. So no, I have the same with my with my two daughters, and I am so careful. I mean, they call me the hippo, but I'm cool with that. So we make a joke of it. That's fine. <laughs> but when you were growing up, did you like when you were small and in your teens? Were you interested in clothes? Because again, the Israelis are no, and I know you're half Irish, but essentially, Israeli Israelis just couldn't give a shit about clothes, which I love. By the way, I love that they're, you know, it's it's kind of not top of their agenda. Were you the same? Yeah, totally. Like, uh, you're right, because in Israel, and I think it, again, has to do with the weather. When you're so hot, you don't want a lot of clothes on you. So, and also, you can't wear a lot of makeup in that type of heat and humidity. So, uh, women in Israel don't really tend to put on a lot of makeup, and everybody just wears flip-flops because it's just so hot, you know? I remember coming here to the UK and seeing women wear these amazing heels, you know, these sandals with the heels and, and, and really done up. And that was, yeah, that was, it's very different from what it's like in Israel. Um, and also I grew up in Jerusalem. So there's a big difference between Jerusalem and Tel Aviv. Jerusalem is like, couldn't, couldn't give a shit about mm. that type of fashion. When I moved to the coast and went out to a nightclub, first time I was out, and it must have been sort of like, I don't know, 18 or 19. And then I saw people were actually dressing up more. Um, yeah, that was a bit of a shock. You could recognize the, the people from Jerusalem in the club. <laughs> oh, dear. And you were one of them. <laughs> and I was one of them. I was oh, one of them. Yeah. You. <laughs> and then presumably you had to do your military service. Um, yeah. So, and then, I mean, the, for me, a uniform just does it for me every time. And a uniform on a woman brings out the lesbian in, in me and a man in uniform, I just want to kind of throw on a bed. So how was uniform for you? Was it kind of like, oh, thank God, I don't have to think about what I'm wearing today? You know, the uniform 
I don't know, in theory, was uh, it looks probably much better than it did in real life. Annoyingly, the girl's uniform was like a really a horrible cut with very high-waisted sort of pants. Um, the boy's uniform, like, look, you know, uh, cooler. Uh, so sometimes you could get away with just wearing the guy's uniform. It's probably changed now. Um, but I don't think I looked very sexy in the uniform <laughs> at all. I certainly was not that kind of, um, you know, that fantasy uh, about um you know uh people in uniform what was it like so you that how many months is it 12 months you have to do for men it's three years and for women it's it was a year and a half i think back then uh yeah but i did i actually did two and a half years uh because i i signed on for more <laughs> okay um yeah it because it you know it was it it's sort of like a job you know uh i had a, a great time in the army which i know sounds really strange and for many people obviously it's a totally different experience but I didn't do anything that was dangerous or anything like that I, I I had an office job and I loved it and I actually did also enjoy the training uh you know that was the private Benjamin type of part of my uh, service which I really did like uh running around and you know learning how to do skills. And I do think that it gave me a lot of skills because at a very early age, you know, at 18, you're given so much responsibility. And I was in charge of, over, you know, over 200 soldiers at some point. Uh, yeah, officers. And I sort of, I was in charge of everything, you know, their uh, scheduling, training, like all of it. Uh, they would come to me like with any issues they had. And, um, and I'd sit around a table with people much older than me in now I realize sort of like board meetings, but at the time mm. it didn't, I didn't realize that that's really what it was. They were just all very senior officers. Um, and I love that I had that because I think when I came out to the world, I was a bit, I was a bit more prepared. Clearly so young to be, have that level of responsibility. And when you're dealing with people who are more senior than you, but you're still almost at a level. Did you use your sense of humor then to kind of win people over? No, not really. I feel like uh, that part of me um, really didn't come out till much, much, much later in life. I, you know, I think I always had that sort of uh, creativity inside me. I always, I've, I always wrote stories, and I always had that in in me. But it just really wasn't the direction that my life was going in. Um, you know, there's the cliche of the Jewish family, you know, it's either the Jewish mom or the Jewish dad who want their kid to either be an accountant or a lawyer. <laughs> yeah, which you trained to be, didn't you? Exactly. A lawyer. It was very much known from since I can remember myself that I would be an attorney and 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 that's kind of the direction I was going in. So I was quite serious, I, I think. And then obviously later in life, um, I guess, realized, no, there's something else that I, I feel like I have to at least explore. Like maybe it's not it and maybe it's not for me, but if I don't at least try, I'm, I might end up regretting it. Um, so no, I don't think I, 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 I used those skills at all. Uh, back in in the mil in the military only much 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 later and what was your, so what what kind of um triggered this you know was it was it did you do was it instagram where you first found your comedic voice or was it blogging how did you first find that or on facebook 
I think it was a process. So at the age of 30, after being a lawyer for a few years and just realizing that it was not for me, uh, and I, I really did go into law thinking very naively that I would do good in the world and that there was room to sort of really make a difference. And then when I realized how it wasn't <laughs> um, and how much I, and I did some acting classes at the time and I really fell in love and I was going through a divorce and I was 30 and it just felt like this is a point where I might, I should grab the opportunity to just make a massive change and a massive shift in my life. Um, and at, I was looking for, you know, uh, courses to do a master's in just performing arts to just change direction. And there wasn't any option like that in Israel at the time. So I looked at London um, because of that connection with my mom in Ireland. I knew London and I have an Irish passport, so it was easy. And uh, I found, you know, that that was possible here. And I just, I just, I just went for it. And then the Instagram and all of that came years after, uh, actually, after I became a mom and realized that going on auditions when you have three children under the age of two is virtually mm. impossible. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so I just started blogging and vlogging. Um, and I don't know if you can relate to this, but I, I feel like this isn't extraordinary at all because I, I think that as women, we reinvent ourselves so many times, right? Do, do you know what I mean by that? Absolutely. I mean, yes, I'm still doing it. Yeah, exactly. Totally. So I don't know where I'm going to be like in five years, but at the moment, the, the, you know, the internet and social media just blew up uh, when I started doing those videos and I was able to take um, the things that were most difficult for me in my life. Uh, a lot of stuff about parenting and motherhood and those early days and very difficult pregnancies and all of that. Uh, and I just took a comic spin on them because it was easier for me to cope with them through comedy. Um, and, and I think that's why maybe people related to it more because, I don't know, laughter is therapeutical. So that's, that's how it happened. Absolutely. And it, it's, you're so right about women having to reinvent themselves. And I, you know, I wonder if we do it because we want to, or probably more likely because we have to. I think it's because we have to. And I think it's because we are, we can, we have that ability in us to adapt, um, you know, and uh, it's, it's an amazing skill when you think about it, you know, you throw a woman in any scenario, she's going to adapt. Like she's going to find a way, <laughs> uh, you know, and come up like on top. Like I, I really believe that, you know, so many women that I've spoken to, lots of my friends, they, if they tell you their like their life story or the last 20 years, you're like, what? You did this? You went from that? It's just, it doesn't go in one direction. It's just, it's, I think it's incredible. I completely agree because if you look at it, you know, I look at my husband and he works, you know, he, don't get me wrong, he works so hard and he travels a hell of a lot. But yes, within that role, you know, he's got many different plates, plates to spin. But for a woman, it's, it can boil down to, shit, I forgot to get the coriander. So if you haven't got the coriander, you can't, 
you can't make the thing that you were going to make that night because it's the essential ingredient. So that means everything that you've got of your fridge isn't going to work. So then you've got to go out to the shops, which is actually going to ruin the fact that you're doing a podcast with someone or that you've set aside, set aside timing and you're going to be late for your child's school play. It's like the amount of different sort of small, almost insignificant things that we do on a daily basis if one of them falls down, then it's life becomes impossible. So we have to be able to juggle. Yeah, totally. And it's, it's so true. And I think we just do it naturally as well. So that's why it looks like it's effortless. And then that's why maybe, uh, you know, nobody offers help. <laughs> like, actually, I need help. Um that took me a long time to do, by the way, to, yeah. to ask for help, to get to the point. I had to get to a point where I physically couldn't get out of bed to sort of go, I'm dead. I need help. And now I'm getting better at going, no, no, no. Actually, I don't want to get to the point where I'm nearly dead. Like, I, 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 I need help, you know? Yeah. So do, have you ever, um, you know, with, with you have led an extraordinary life. I mean, you are the epitome of the woman who's kind of reinvented herself. And, you know, I love the way you, you, you are so kind of, you, you say the things that we all think, but we don't um, express. So it's like, you know, child ask a question and inside your head, you're going, oh, for fuck's sake. Yes. You know, and, and I love the way you do that. But have you ever kind of suffered from anxiety or insecurity? Because you seem as, you know, because you're so open and you appear so confident, I wonder if that's something you've ever felt. I mean, I don't think I've suffered from anxiety. Uh, when I was in my early 20s, um, my parents split up. Uh, so my mom went back to Ireland for a few years. Uh, and I don't know why, but that divorce, their divorce, their separation hit me really hard. Um, and I had, you know, that was a period in my life that I, you know, was having panic attacks. And I, I think that was probably the closest that I, I did have like anxiety at that stage in my life. And I had, and I went to therapy and I then realized a lot of the issues with my parents and a lot of that, the complexity of my relationship with my mom and with my dad. Um, I think that, it, you know, it, it's funny because is you there's there's the community that I have online and they they ask me that question a lot like about the confidence how do you get confidence how do you get confidence and for years I used to say oh it's not even confidence it's just fake it till you make it type mm -hmm. of thing um but then the f a few years ago sort of like into my 40s I really had a sort of a fuck it moment I really mm. did I think a lot of women have that after 40 when it comes when you just go fuck it you know if they're lucky they have that right okay again it was just a sort of a, a process that in the end I just thought actually the only thing the only thing that I'm really obligated to do in this world in this life as a as a mother even like everything is just be myself there's nothing else that I'm actually really obligated to do everything else is just bullshit it's noise and I can't tell you how um uh, how do you say how what a relief it was to, mm. <laughs> to realize that because it's it's easy to be yourself when you allow it, you know? It's easy, but it also, I, I think it takes a lot of courage to do that, to truly be yourself, especially if you're someone who 
you know, how I think you've got to really like yourself to have the confidence to be yourself. Truly. But you know what? I don't know. I, I, I know what you're saying. But in that uh, process, I, I came to recognize parts of me that I don't like, that yeah. I almost like uh, didn't even want to admit that existed, you know, like, like, like for example, ego, that I have an ego or that I, um, you know, or that I, I, I get angry. I'm not patient at all. Like I'm not a patient person at all. And for years I was, uh, my thought process was I need to work on my patience. Like I need to find tools to make myself a more patient person. And now I just go, I'm, I'm just not a patient person. You know, it's probably not the quality I love the most about myself, but I'm, I'm okay with it. Like, it's fine. This is who I am. So not at all. Everybody's going to like me. Some people <laughs> are not going to gel, but that's just who I am. I'm not going to try and change myself like now. What, what do you like most about yourself? I think I like um, that I go for things. Uh, I like the fact that I, I think, I, I like the fact that I socially, you know, um, have, you know, the friends that I have, the friendships that I have. Um, I think I, you know, I think I'm a good friend is what I'm trying to say. I think I'm a good friend. Um, Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Do you like your body? I know that's not a personality trait. Yeah. How do you feel about your body? So again, I like my body. I like my face. I like my hair. I like my smile. I like uh, a lot of parts of my body I really like. And then a lot of the par other parts of my body I, I just don't think about, like, you know, my elbows or my, you know, my my knees or whatever. But I, I don't like the whole love your body uh, movement. Um, mm. do, do you know what I mean? The sort of love your body. Because I, uh, I actually feel it's very pressuring. Sorry. I so agree. I oh, okay. so <laughs> agree with that. It's yeah. like no woman loves every part of her body. Yeah. It's bullshit. And it put, you're right. It puts so much pressure on us. It does. It, it puts a lot of pressure. And the thing is, even that, Oh God, it comes with in waves in your life, doesn't it? Um, you know, at, at 30, I remember I did some sort of workshop and it wasn't even like a body image workshop. It was more about uh, beyond your fear, like living beyond your fear. And that's that was when I moved to London. I sort of had the courage, like, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to do it. Uh, so one of the exercises we did was we all stood in front of, this sounds so awful now, but it was really good in the moment. Okay, I promise. We stood in front of a mirror in like our underwear and or swimming suit and 
and looked in the mirror and they were like, what don't you like? What do you see? Like, what is it that you don't like? And I was like, my stomach, my stomach. I've never had a flat stomach. I don't like my stomach. And they just went, but do you have another stomach? And I was like, no. And then I thought, oh God, <laughs> I don't have another stomach. And it was one of those moments, you know? So that was like at the age of 30. And then it comes in waves, doesn't it? Someone told me once, God, you don't love your stomach, but do you love your elbow? You know, do you love your left pinky? And I was like, no, I don't. Like, I don't think about mm -hmm. them. So why do you think about your stomach so much? You know, that type of thing. Yeah. What are the questions you get asked most by your fans? Because you do, it's so kind of female skewed and skewed to airing insecurities that we all share. What are the questions that women ask you the most? And what are your answers? I mean, first of all, Susanna, the number one question I get is about my accent. <laughs> I mean, that is the number one question I get. So much so that I just put, you know, like frequently asked questions in my bio. <laughs> just, I'm not answering that question again. Um, and the second question is about uh, confidence. Um, and I love the questions because sometimes, have you heard of, you, you know what I mean when I say uh, backhanded compliments, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, when someone is trying to give you a compliment, but it sounds like it's not actually a compliment. So I get that a lot. So I once was asked, oh my God, um, do you really love what you look like or have you just given up? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> someone else, by the way, told me I was wearing a, a low cut top on one of my stories. Um, and they said, wow, you know, I loved how in that story you just did not wear a bra and you just let your boobs just hang down there. You're so brave. And of course I was wearing a bra. So <laughs> <laughs> I get a lot of those, uh, but they all mean well, they all mean well. I know that it comes from a really nice place. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, but what do they say about your open marriage for god's sake where's that so tell yeah tell me about that yeah um i mean i talk about it in the book obviously infected 40 not uh, the recent book uh, you did what um you did what yeah. you did what exactly uh this was part of my midlife crisis <laughs> which is documented in that first book um you know i sort of really was thinking about lots of aspects of my life. And one of the biggest things that I was going through at the time was this kind of awakening of my sexuality. And I think, again, for a lot of women in their 40s, that happens. Uh, so it's right before perimenopause <laughs> kicks in. The um, last hurrah, yeah. It's the last hurrah, exactly. But just after you come out of those fog years of changing nappies and sort of wiping bums and all that type of thing. Um, and I had this kind of like, God, I'm, you know, I hopefully I, I, you know, like there's more in me and what, who am I? And I took up pole dancing and I, you know, started moving my body again and mm -hmm. just uh, found that, oomph, you know, that I felt like I had really kind of lost. Um, and I started questioning a lot of aspects of my life. One of them was just the idea of monogamy, even just as a concept, uh, I, I never thought about it. Uh, never, ever did I ask myself, is monogamy the type of relationship I want to have? I was just, I just grew up in a society where that's the norm. So you don't ask those questions. And I was talking to a lot of people that do live in other types of relationships. And the thing is, a lot of them do it in secret. That You don't even know that. Like people that were really close to me and that I, 
<laughs> just had no knowledge of because it's taboo. And actually, uh, it sounded great. And it sounded like something I might be interested in thinking about. And I was really lucky because Mike is so open and he's super confident and he knew that this wasn't something that was going to threaten us. Um, and we decided to, yeah, to open up the marriage. And even if it was in, at, the, at the beginning, just like mm. as a concept, um, it didn't matter. It brought in so much. Like it just brought in uh, converse, more conversations, more openness, more honesty. And when I said it publicly, and and honestly, sometimes maybe people think that um, you say stuff to cause a commotion or to get some publicity or whatever. But the reason I said that, because I'm actually really private, like I don't want people to know my private business with my husband. But the reason I said it was because I knew, I knew that there were other people out there who, like me, even were just curious, but would never, couldn't feel like they said it because people frown upon it. Um, and the, I was right, because as soon as I said it, I got a, mainly privately uh, messages from women saying, oh my God, like, thank you so much for just opening that door, you know? And then it was either people going, we've been having polyamorous relationship for X, Y, and Z. We do swingers. This is what we do. We do whatever, one holiday a year, like <laughs> all kinds of whatever. Um, and also a lot of mainly women saying to me, this is something that I've always really been interested in, but I have no idea how to even start the conversation with my husband. And what they wanted to know was, how do you start that conversation? Uh, but of course, that's very, it depends on the relationship, you know, so there's no one answer to that. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it's really, it's interesting. And it kind of, it does link in, by the way, to you did what, because you did what is obviously confessions. And there's a lot of people confessing in that area. So in the book, the confessions are anonymous or are some of them named? So in you did what, um, it's, uh, the confessions are anonymous, but what we did leave, uh, was country and age. Because the reason that was important to me was mainly country was because I wanted people reading to see how global it was. Because the thing that I have I've been amazed about when, you know, with confessions is how honestly we all hide the same secrets. Like people have the same they experience shame and embarrassment over the same things. They do things that are like, oh same things. And it does not matter if you come from America or from India or from, you know, Finland or Israel or wherever, UK, they are so similar, you know? Uh, so that was important, but we, we took out names or anything that could, you know, recognize anyone else that was part of the confession. It's such a genius idea, but it's also so, um, you know, it will help a lot of people. It will help a lot of people. And I wonder you know, tell, tell us how it's separated, whether it's separated by country, as you say, or whether it's separated by topic or age. We did it by topic. And we, I sort of uh, selected the topics uh, really from what I had known that people normally write in about, because I, I did confessions uh, for years on Facebook, and that's where the idea came from. So I knew the main things people like to confess about. So there's parenting confessions, loads of parenting. Um, there are relationship and sex. That's another category. And that can be anything from fantasies to, you know, uh, sex gone wrong. <laughs> 
you know, lots of those type of stories. Uh, And even, you know, living in sexless marriages, uh, you know, um, lots of, there's also heartfelt uh, confessions. They were not all funny, obviously. Uh, Then there's revenge stories and in the office. And the last category is bodily fluids. (laughs) Okay, nice. That's very British. That's very British. British love to talk about that. I really didn't expect at the age of 45 to write a book that had a whole section dedicated to bodily fluids. <laughs> uh, but you'll be amazed how many people uh, poop in odd places. <laughs> we've all done it. We've all done We've all had the, you know, the period shame, the, yeah, everything, being caught short. It's, we've all had it. But do you have anything that you'd say would represent a comfort blanket of some type? something that reassures you well i don't know if it reassures me but like if i'm thinking about like a clothing item that's my must go to you know it's gonna have to be my granny pants uh suzanne <laughs> because same you know i need a full brief granny pant you know from m&m I'm exa- do you know what i have here's a confession so i have i have my mom used to wear them and she's been dead now 14 years and i have some of her pants which i still wear Oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah, they're granny pants. And I wouldn't, but I'm wearing them now. Look, I'll just show you. Here they are, peeking over the top, my granny pants. I mean, there's nothing like granny pants, exactly. There's nothing, nothing at all. Okay, so, um, and then also you have this pajama party, don't you? Tell me about the pajama party. Um, When am I going to be invited and what happens? Oh my God. Yes. You have to come on pajama party, but we have to do it in person. Like you have to come to my house and sit in my bed on a Friday night. We basically used to do that uh, every Friday night. I I haven't done it now in a few, in a while, just because of the book and everything. Yeah. Um, But every Friday night meeting in, you know, in my house with a guest most weeks and just sharing confessions that were sent in, um, you know, from, from my community. And, uh, usually we would do a vote. People would vote at the end for their favorite confession and they'd be prizes and that type of thing. Um, and what I loved is that what I love is that there's a rule and the rule is that you can't judge. Um, so no matter what I read out, people don't judge. And I think that's really nice, you know, and, and also quite rare because social media is full of judgment. So what's the most kind of outrageous confession you've had? One that maybe is stuck in your mind. You can't unhear. There's loads of them. It's hard to choose to be honest. So, um, but, uh, I can tell you one that's like a wardrobe, uh, related. Yes. Tell me a wardrobe one. Okay, so this is a confession. I won't read it. I'll just tell you. A lady sent in a confession, and she said that she was invited to an event. It was a big event at her kid's school. Everybody was there, teachers, you know, all the parents, and even the mayor was there. So it's like a really big event. Uh, And, um, you know, uh, her child came on stage to do whatever they were doing, and she walked up, you know, and stood close to the stage, took pictures, and she had bought a new completely white jumpsuit for... Mm the event (laughs) okay i can guess yeah you're already cringing so there she is standing taking pictures the whole you just imagine the audience is sitting behind her now right seeing her like her back and as she walked back to her seat and sat down her husband whispered in her ear and said sweetie you've got blood all over your pants so she had gotten her period didn't realize and now there was blood everywhere so everybody obviously saw and that's not even the worst 
bit of the confession. So she managed to somehow go to the pl- pr- uh, public toilets that were there. And she's thinking, right, the plan was to wash the jumpsuit, to clean it off and go back to her seat. But like every woman knows, in order to wash a jumpsuit, you have to take it off and then be completely naked in a public bathroom. So she didn't know what to do. And she did the only thing she could think of, which was go into one of the cubicles, close the door and wash the jumpsuit in the toilet. Oh, my goodness. Sugar me. I know. But she did it. She did it. and. Um, and the rest of the day was lovely. <laughs> <laughs> and the rest of the yeah. day was joyous. So what's your what's your worst wardrobe malfunction? Uh, it's probably not as funny as this confession, but I think probably, oh, because this should not happen. This type of thing should not happen. But on my wedding day, my dress was so tight on me that I physically could not breathe. And when we got to the point where we had to sit down and eat, I realized that, I mean, not only could I not eat, I couldn't even sit down. Uh, so I had to I had to ask my mom to sort of release the, it was like a corset thing, you know, with the strings at the back. And uh, I don't know why we did it behind a bush. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> like a physical bush. Why did we not go to the bathroom? I'm not sure. But there we were. Because the lady with, uh, with her jumpsuits has just come out. That's why, yeah. Exactly. Uh, so that's probably, uh, yeah, one that comes to mind. God, on yeah. your wedding day. I'm on just... my wedding day. You should be able to sit down and eat on your wedding day, right? Of course, yeah. yeah. But it's so often we, yeah, so often it's just how, you know, so many women think, okay, well, how's it going to look in the photograph? And that's all they consider. Yeah. And then another taboo subject for you, well, not for you, actually nothing is taboo for you, but is um, female masturbation. Yes. So um, you talk very openly about that. Very openly. Yes. Do you know what? It's really weird because I it happened, like not me masturbating. That That's not weird. But like me talking about it online is weird because what happened was I used to do this thing on my Instagram called uh, Tova's Top Tip of the Day, whatever. And I would just recommend something from my day-to-day life, whatever. And uh, one day I was like in my bathroom and I thought, well, what would I do my tip about today? Well, I don't know. I can't think of an idea. And I opened the drawer and my vibrator was there. So I thought, oh, I'll do one about vibrators, you know? And I actually had three at the time. <laughs> uh, so I just featured them, said a few words, and that was it. And I've never had such high engagement on my Instagram stories (laughs) like I did. Yeah, about this vibrator story. Uh, And people were sending in messages and going, wow, you know, thank you so much for talking about this. Or other people were saying, uh, could you give me some tips? Which ones should I buy? And then there were a whole lot of women just sending in pictures of their own collections, you know, spread Uh, on their beds. And I suddenly realized that this was a, this again was a conversation that, um, you know, women wanted to have, um, you know, so, <laughs> so I started talking about it. Do you think that, so, okay, masturbation, I agree with you on that female masturbation. What are the other taboos apart from death? Is there anything else or have we got to the stage today where so much is spoken about so much is revealed that there's nothing left to that's taboo. No, I think there's still a lot of things that we don't say. You know, I've, I, I mean, first of all, when you say taboo, like 
taboo can be a lot of different things. Some of the taboo is really shame, like what we talked about, like, for example, female masturbation. But some things are taboo because they're very polarizing or because maybe they're political or because they might cost you followers or brand deals. There's a lot of reasons why people don't talk about certain subjects. You know, I, I touch on subjects that I, I think a lot of people don't talk about because I just feel like if I have a platform, I'm going to talk about the things that are really important to me and I think are important in the world. And recently I've done loads. Of, I do a lot of videos about women's rights. Nobody likes that. The algorithm doesn't like that. Brand, brands don't like that. Nobody likes that. But I do them anyway because I think they're important. Um, but also other things like loneliness. You know, I was mm -hmm. thinking about that recently. Uh, you know, uh, just that kind of... Um, Be living a very hectic life and having lots of people around you and you're fulfilled with work and you, you're a mom or whatever it is, but actually feeling quite alone. I've experienced that recently and I really want to start talking about that because I think, again, I, I don't see other people talking about it. I think there's loads of things that still we can and should talk about. Yeah. Lonely, loneliness is a big one. It's a big one. Yeah. I, I felt that too. And you're surrounded by people but you can feel completely isolated and it's no there's no there's no connection but I think that's also down to when again as women especially when you're so busy it's it's sometimes very difficult to live in the present because you're always thinking about the next yeah. thing the next thing the next thing that you've got to do and that in itself can create loneliness For sure. No, that's true. I feel that exactly. I'm, I'm constantly in the next thing and the next thing. And you don't, we're not in the, you're not present in the moment. But also I think coming out of COVID probably played a big part of that in that because for a year and a half, it was almost like it was okay to be lonely because we couldn't be anything else. And now that the world's opening up, you suddenly go, oh, do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely, I do. And then, my love, so when you are, when you do dress up, what do you reach for? What would you consider your birthday suit? Or do you not have one? Uh, no, I do. I love, uh, I do like dressing up. I just want to say, like, I do enjoy when I go out uh, dressing up and I do enjoy makeup and stuff like that. And I think a nice, a, a great shoe is my thing. Um I love a great, like a good shoe. I have uh, red shoes that I love and I will, I, you know, I like any excuse to wear them. Um, and also I have a coat uh, that was, that was gifted to me actually uh, from a really lovely brand called uh, Stella and Lori uh, from New York. And when I got it, I thought, oh, this is so not me because it's, qu it's quite a statement, you know? Uh, and I thought, oh, I don't know. And it, I love that coat. Like I could literally wear that coat with yoga pants and a stinky t-shirt underneath and I will get compliments and people will ask me where it's from. It's a great coat. <laughs> and what's the brand called? Stella and? Lori. Yeah. Lori. I'm writing that down. Stella and Lori. I'm looking for a good coat. Okay. Yeah. They're fantastic. All right, my darling. Well, listen, I'm so excited to get an actual copy of You Did What? Um, in my hands because I think there's going to be so much identification in it. And I, I just salute what you're doing. We need more people like you in the world who says it how it is, really. You're, you're an inspiration. And um, I've so enjoyed talking to you. Thank you so much. I've loved talking to you. Thank you so much for having me. All right, you're sweetheart. And you take care. You too. 
Ah, uh, thanks to Tova. We certainly covered a lot of ground and I loved speaking to her. I do feel we have a huge amount in common. Her new book, by the way, is You Did What? And it's out now. And the link is in our show notes. It's amazing. You must read it. Right, before we go, remember our live show slash shambles is on Sunday, the 7th of November, starting at 7.45 p.m. GMT and streaming everywhere from 8 p.m. Tickets are in the show notes too. You can also email us at help at mywardmail.com, follow us at mywardmail and subscribe, rate and review us on your chosen podcast platform. Our house band duo is at duoguitarmusic.com or at duoguitarmusic on their socials. Okay, that's it. Thanks so much again to the fabulous Tova, to Duo, and of course, thanks to you for listening. Catch up soon, guys. Until then, my wardrobe is, you guessed it, officially closed. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.